Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Welcome to City Hills Church Online. I hope you guys are doing well today. Can we just be honest for a moment? The last six months have been overwhelming. It's been wave after wave of emotion, wave after wave of of confusion, and just an incredibly challenging season. And it's in these moments that it's important for us to remember our faith, to remember who we're leaning on. The reality is that we were supposed to be kicking off a new series today. And we were, I was about to record it, I was ready to go. And I just felt like the Lord spoke to me and, and said, we need to pause. And I think he's speaking that to more than just me. I feel like he's speaking it to all of us. But there are certain moments and certain seasons in our lives that we need to pause and we need to reflect. We need to reflect as, as fathers and as mothers. We need to reflect as, as Christians and followers of Jesus. We need to reflect as humanity. Pause and say, God, what is it in this moment that you're trying to speak to me? And over the next few minutes, I wanna share what I, I believe God is, is speaking to us in this season a season that is seeing our country divided again. And, and while it may feel united in some cases, the brokenness is real. And the first thing that I want to share with you and, and, and I want to just challenge you with is that you and I have to guard our hearts and we have to guard our minds. And the reason is this. If we're not careful, we'll believe the lie that we have to be one extreme or the other, that we have to be on one side of the aisle or the other. We have to believe 100% of everything that this hashtag says versus what this hashtag stands for. That's not the truth. Let's just put it out there. The truth is you can believe that black lives matter. You can be passionate about it. You can be heartbroken by the death of George Floyd. But you can also believe that all lives matter. And you can also be heartbroken and devastated for business owners whose innocent businesses are being set ablaze and and shop owners are being beaten by two by fours just for trying to protect their livelihood. You can be both. And I'll share stories of how I can feel both of those things in in moments that I can feel those things. But the internet and social media wants to tell you that you can be one or the other. It's not the truth. You can be passionate about more than one thing at one time. But the truth is about the media and and, and social media is no one's ever going to say it perfectly. 
There's always going to be something that someone feels like you said, well, you said too too much there and, and I can't go that far down the road with you or you didn't say enough and you just pandered and, and you didn't really get to the heart of anything. It, there's too much pain. There's too much history. There's too much brokenness to try to aim for perfection. The goal isn't perfection. The goal is progress. And so I just want to tell you and, and just share with you and maybe be one of the voices in your life that's saying, you don't have to live in the extremes. It's actually a really dangerous place to live. When we live in the extremes, we lose perspective on reality. You don't have to be in the extremes. What we do have to do is we have to reflect on our faith. We have to reflect on the heart of God who is watching this with tears and brokenness in his heart. To watch as his children tear each other apart. The truth is, you can't pass a law that'll change the heart of a man. It doesn't mean that we don't aim for reform. It doesn't mean that we don't demand change in the system. That's not at all what I'm saying. The, the reality is, the root of all of our brokenness is a heart issue. And who is the redeemer of our hearts? Who is the one who can bring healing to the, that pain and that brokenness? Who can remove that darkness from us? It's, it's, only, it's only God. And so for me, what I've done in this season is I've, I've reflected on the things that he said in his word. And he brought me to a passage of scripture in 1 John 2 that I just want to read to you because I feel like it's so important in this season. It says this starting in verse 7. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old one, one that you had from the beginning for generations. You've already heard it. Yet, in a sense, it's a new commandment as its truths have been made manifest both in Christ and in you, because the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already blazing. In other words, what he's saying is you had this law, you had this rule, this commandment from the very beginning, but Jesus came to earth and he actually lived it out. He showed us exactly what it looks like. He was the light that is now ablaze in our world. Verse 9, anyone who says I am in the light while holding hatred in his heart towards a fellow believer is still in the darkness. Other translations say to our brothers, holding hatred in our heart to our brothers. But the one who truly loves a fellow believer lives in the light and there's nothing in him that will cause someone else to stumble. But whoever hates a fellow believer lives in darkness, stumbling around in the dark with no clue where he is going, for he is blinded by the darkness. We've talked about this as a church before. We cannot say that we're good with God and bad with people. We cannot say, I love God, I love his church, I love everything about Jesus. Jesus is, is my heart, he's my life and then show hatred to our brothers. God himself says, that doesn't work. It doesn't line up. Because if you truly loved me, you would love my children. And we understand that. If you were to say, Danny, I love you, but I hate your kids. We gonna have an issue, right? We're gonna have a serious issue and that's what God is saying. You can't say you love me and hate my children. You can't say you have my heart and hate those that are around you. That's not okay. And so maybe you're like the religious leader who asked Jesus, well, then who, 
who is my brother? Who is my neighbor? Jesus unpacks this incredible parable of the Good Samaritan. And he shares with them in, in Luke 10, starting in verse 24, about the story of a, a Jewish man who was beaten, stripped naked, and left for dead on the side of the road. And in the story, Jesus says there was a, there was a priest who passed by, a pastor who comes by and he, he sees the man. But out of the inability to know which which race he is or if he has any other diseases or anything, the, the priest walks on by and doesn't touch him for fear that he would ruin his reputation, fear that he would be uh, considered unclean, doing things and touching touching people or, or things that he's not supposed to touch. So the priest moves on. And Jesus says a Levite or, or an assistant in the temple comes by. And I'm sure this assistant saw the priest in the distance walking, and he saw the man, and he thought, well, if my leader's not going to help him, then I, I guess I shouldn't either. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't know the story. I don't have all the facts. I don't have the details. Does that sound familiar? And he says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just going to keep walking on by. And then Jesus, being the incredible storyteller that he was, he says, finally, a despised Samaritan comes by. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews have this racial tension that goes on for generations. It is this brokenness. The Jews believe that if you touched a Samaritan, you were unclean, you were unfit, that you were contaminated. That is the way, that's how they despise these people. So Jesus says, a despised Samaritan comes along and he helps this Jewish man and he sacrifices his money, his time, his supplies, and he cares for him. Jesus ends the parable by saying, which one of these would you say was the true neighbor? Who showed true love? And the Jewish leaders had to hang their head and I guess the Samaritan. This was devastating for them to have to admit this. And I think it's an important story for us to remember that we have a choice. We have a choice of whether or not we're going to feel like our lives are too busy. We've got too much at risk. We've got too much that's happening. We're, we're just going to keep on moving. We don't have all the facts. We don't have all the details. We don't know. I don't really know if he's a Jewish man or, or is he actually a Samaritan? And, and I don't want to risk my reputation. I don't want to risk my time. I don't want to risk any of those things. I'm just going to move on and act as if nothing happened. Are we going to blur some lines and show love and compassion regardless of what we feel, regardless of what's at risk. And as I've been walking through this season, I feel like we've we've raised awareness, but where do we start? What do we do? And I believe what we do, the first thing is that we we invite people who are not like us into our world. Invite them, whoever the them is for you, whatever side of this you are on, our church has, has different races. Whatever side of the table you're on, invite 
someone who's not like you into your world. Go and have coffee with someone and just have a conversation. What does life look like for you? What, what's your, your background? What's your story? Tell me about your life. I love that about Jesus. We're going to see it in, in just a minute. But our responsibility as the church and as believers, we're to be a bridge. We're not supposed to dig further ditches. We're not supposed to create the divide even further. We're supposed to be bridges to people who need the love of Jesus. We're supposed to be people who love one another. Jesus says to the disciples, he said, the way that people will know that you are mine, that you belong to me, that you've been with me, is the way you care for one another. Not how you care for your same tribe, how you care for all. And this all kind of came to a head for me a couple weeks ago, actually, with the shooting of, of Ahmad Arbery. Because you see, for me, I, I grew up in New Orleans, and I grew up with a black best friend, and I grew up with some brothers who were Creole, and, and I'm this mixed islander. And I know you ask certain people from our island, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, we're white. And you ask six other ones, they're like, no, we're Native American, and we're this, and we're that. So we don't know what we are, okay? So for me, I just feel kind of like this mix of, of all of them. And I actually really loved that about, about our family and about our, our culture. And when I moved to the deep south, I experienced something that I never experienced before. I experienced on a very regular basis, weekly, if not multiple times a week, where I would have people stop me from different races and say, what are you? And sometimes they wouldn't ask that politely. But to me, that was kind of the extent of where I felt like, hey, you're not exactly one of us. God has blessed my life. He, he has had incredible favor on my life. So I've, I have felt some of the racial tension, but I haven't felt it nearly as much as thousands of others. And that's what I communicated to my best friend who was black. When I saw the shooting of Ahmad Arbery, I, I, I reached out to him and I said, listen, I know we've gone through a life together. We grew up together. We've, we've had successes. We've cried together. We've had these incredible things. And, and I know we've each walked our own path dealing with just how people felt about us. But I will never know what it feels like to walk in your shoes. And I am so sorry. I am sorry that you have to live that. It breaks my heart that you have to live that. And he said, Danny, I, I appreciate that more than you know. But what's most difficult for me is that my brand new son, at some point in the next few years, I'm going to have to sit down with my son and tell him, son, there's certain clothes that you can't wear because it puts your life at risk. Son, there's, there's certain neighborhoods that you can't walk in because of the color of your skin. Son, there's certain places that you can't go and certain ways you can't act because it's going to put a target on your back and you have to make sure that you live within these lines. Otherwise, your life is at risk. And guys, it broke my heart. It broke me to my core because as a father 
of two daughters, I know what Lauren and I have done. I know what steps we have taken. I know how far we've gone to ensure that our daughters know that that God has created them to do anything that they put their minds to. That anyone who says they can't accomplish something, they're a liar because God says you can do all things. And I know how passionate we are about that. And I know if you walked up to my daughter and said, you can't be this, you can't do that, you can't accomplish that. I know the fire that would rise up inside of me and what I, the words that I would have for you. And the idea that my best friend has to sit down with his son and explain to him that there's certain places he can't go and certain things that he can't do and certain clothes that he can't wear because it will put his life at risk. It broke me. It broke me. That he has to walk through that as a father, much less as a man. And there's something else that you have to understand. I've seen it and I've heard it where people will say, well, well, that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily true. You don't have to do that. That's, that you, that's just a media narrative. That's just what the news is pushing. That's just what social media mob is pushing. Listen, until we have walked in someone else's shoes, we don't have the right to tell them how they're supposed to think. Until we have walked through their experiences, we don't have the right to say you shouldn't feel that way. I don't have the right to look at my best friend and go, whoa, that seems a little extreme. I mean, do you really think that that's necessary? I don't walk in his shoes. And so you and I have to be really, really careful that we don't get this bravado about ourselves, that we get to tell people what their life experience is and what their perspective and what they feel is supposed to be. We don't have that right. We don't have just like I don't have the right as a pastor to see what you are walking through in your life. And even if I see there's trouble coming, I can communicate that to you. But I don't get to walk into your house and go, hey, there's an issue here. Time out. I'm taking over here. Let me tell you how you're supposed to do it. Let me tell you how to think. You're a grown person. You would punch me in the face. But somehow in this situation, we feel that we have the authority to say you shouldn't feel that way. We don't. We don't have that authority. We need to be very, very careful. So we have to allow people's worlds who are different than ours to become involved in ours because it expands our perspective and it gives us an opportunity to learn, to hear, and to be able to mend wounds and to show love and compassion. To show love and compassion. The second thing that we have to do is that we have to ask what's in our hearts and we have to ask why it's there. When you see injustices happen, when you see the deaths of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and the countless other numbers, when you see the death of the the St. Louis police officer who was shot in cold blood, what does your heart say? Is your heart broken? Is it filled with compassion? Is it filled with rage where you want to go and attack someone? Or is it filled with questions of, what did they do to deserve it? Could you imagine the, in the parable, the priest and the Levite asking those same questions? Well, I wonder 
what happened to him for him to deserve to be beat like that and robbed like that? Well, maybe he did something. Jesus would look at us and he'd say, I think we need to spend a minute talking about our hearts. Not so that we can feel guilty, not so we can feel judged, but so, so that God can begin to mend and heal those broken areas of our hearts that allow us to not be moved by compassion, to be moved by the heart of God, to be moved by the love that he so generously gave us. We have a responsibility in this season to reflect on our own lives, to reflect on the condition of our hearts, to say the words in the prayer that David said in his Psalms, God, search my heart and know my ways. Find in me any flaw, find in me any broken motivation, find in me anything that does not belong. Because the truth is for some of us, some of the things that we feel, some of those internal thoughts, some of those internal emotions, they're learned. Whether you learned it from your family, you learned it from your experience, regardless of where it's from, God wants to mend the wounds because guys, the greatest commandment is to love God. And the second one is just like it and equally important is to love people. It's not enough for us to say, well, I'm not a racist. That's not enough. It's not enough. Jesus could have came and said, well, uh, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here for a, a good time. I've got a responsibility that I've got to take care of. No, no, no. Jesus spent every single day of his life caring for the hurt and the broken, caring for those who were ignored, caring for those who society had given up with. Jesus was the same man who touched lepers. He was the same man who healed the blind. He was the same man who allowed prostitutes to be around him. Could you imagine if you walked into City Hills Church and I'm like, hey, we got one of the local prostitutes to take up offering today. You would panic. You'd be like, what is happening here? Jesus allowed people from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds, from all different histories, from all different struggles. He allowed them to be around him. Why? Because he had a heart for them because he was passionate about him. Think about it. Jesus invited a despised tax collector, a man who spent his life stealing from his own people for a government that was opposing them, that was holding them down. Jesus goes, yeah, I think you'd be a good disciple. And that cat ends up being one of the writers of the gospel in the Bible. The book of Matthew is written by the former tax collector, Matthew. Jesus sees things in people that maybe they didn't even see in themselves. And the question is, do we? Are we opening our hearts? Are we lifting our eyes? Are we showing compassion in a way that when we see a man, when we see a woman, when we see a child, we see someone who belongs to God. We see someone who has potential. We see someone who has an opportunity to change the world with their lives. Or do we see someone who's different from us and we just walk away? 
It doesn't matter if it's, it's about race. It doesn't matter if it's about background. Jesus didn't care. Jesus broke all the lines. He broke all the rules. Jesus, was, he, he wasn't setting anything on fire, but he was making sure that he wasn't playing by the same rules. I don't have to be on, underneath a certain hashtag. I am all the hashtags. Watch how I care for people. And I wonder if you and I have that same heart, that same passion, that we're not gonna get it right every time. We're not gonna get it perfect but we're consistently checking our heart and going, God, what are you doing? What's in me? Is there anything inside of me that needs to come out so I can care for people better? And as we allow God to do that, our world will change. Push for laws, push for equal opportunities, push for all those things, that's fine. But at the end of the day, if you and I are living with the heart of Jesus, if we're passionate about the things that he was passionate about, there shouldn't be anyone that's in our near vicinity that has to worry about anything else except that they're loved by you and they're loved by God. That you care for the broken. You care for the needy. You share what you have in order to help others find their potential and find their purpose. That you live your life in a way that draws people to Jesus. So am I asking you to go and protest in the streets? No. Am I asking you to make an eloquent social media post? No. Am I asking you to to put black squares on your Instagram for the next six years? No. What I'm asking you to do is say, God, check my heart and help me live more like you. Help my heart and my life line up with the things that you are passionate about God and you're passionate about people regardless of where they are. We can invite people into our worlds and we can share our worlds and love people like Jesus loved us. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. It's not about the right words. It's not about the right hashtags. It's about the right heart, the heart that is compassionate and loving to all. Let's pray. Jesus, you know how difficult this message is. You know how challenging it is to communicate what's sitting on my heart But at the end of the day, Jesus, I don't need the right words. All I need is your spirit to move in me. God, I repent now. I ask your forgiveness now for the things that are are, are even in my heart, that those moments of apathy, those moments of being like the Levite, being like the priest who who sees something and and just walks by because I'm too busy. God, forgive me. God, break my heart with the things that break yours. God, allow our lives, allow my life to be marked by the way that I care for the people I come in contact with. 
that it wouldn't be about race, it wouldn't be about demographics, it wouldn't be about financial status, it wouldn't be about anything but the fact that they are your child, they have potential, and that you love them. And because you love them, I love them. God, draw our hearts back to you. And as we pause and as we reflect, as we invite people from different backgrounds into our world, as we share our hearts and share our love with people around us, I pray that you would heal our nation in the name of Jesus, that you would bring unification, that you would bring healing, that you would let a spirit of compassion and understanding rise up within us, that our hearts would be drawn to yours, and that we would recognize that it isn't a law that fixes it, it isn't a protest that fixes it, it is us connecting back to you, that as we lean into you, as we give our hearts to you, as we look to you as our example, that we will find the answers we have been looking for for generations. God, draw us back to you. Heal our land. Unite us once again. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.